Good day, all. It's Peter Hofter here with an update on North American equities. It's January 3rd, 2023. Happy New Year. Uh, wishing everybody health, wealth, and happiness uh, for the new year. Hopefully you've had a bit of time off to enjoy family and maybe still having some time off because I think a lot of schools uh, remain closed un until next week. But the calendar year, yeah, it's always a time to reflect, to measure, to check things, which is interesting because I think much of the world doesn't necessarily know that it was December 31st and we're, we're all buying new calendars. And economic cycles um, are certainly one of those things that don't necessarily follow uh, the, the calendar, Gregorian calendar, the way the rest of us do. But having said that, here's some interesting elements is that it's only been twice in the last 80 years, so call it from 1942, there's only been two occasions um, really where the market has been down in consecutive years. Uh, and that was there was, you know, two years in a row in the 70s and actually sort of three years, if you think 2001 compared to 2000 and 2002 was ultimately the low of the market after the tech wreck. So those were sort of the two occasions where you saw um, sequential down years. So the odds are in favor of this year um, generating positive returns for us. And so as we look ahead to this year, uh, a lot of the dynamics we talked a lot about last year certainly remain. I mean, central banks, as, as they watch inflation very closely, remain, I think, key drivers of global markets. Um, potentially inflation you know, has peaked as we did start to see that roll over late in the year. Uh, as we look ahead over the next few months, you know, I think there's reasons to believe you know, volatility continues. Uh, I think there's still central banks are still waiting for more conclusive evidence that they actually have broken the back of inflation. Uh, I think it's important to know that COVID hasn't gone away. Um, and certainly in China, as they reopen and they probably have an under vaccinated population, um, there's certainly risks of outbreaks and that may take, you know, policy response. But certainly in, in developed world in North America, um, there, you know, there are variants that certainly seem to be able to evade uh, existing immune responses uh, that are in the population. The question is, what's the broader health impact? Does this truly become the flu at this point and just something we live with because sort of that excess death rate is no different than it is in, in prior to the pandemic? Or is this something that requires a response? So, you know, I think the important thing as we think about these things, you know, we want to think probabilistically, as I'm sure we've, we've shared with you before, that someone can have a passionate view on a coin flip and that may be very entertaining. Uh, but it, was, it really doesn't change, you know, how the outcome is going to evolve. And if you sort of believe your own noise, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble. So that's, those are the different things that we want to digest as, as we look ahead to this year. And so certainly I think the biggest risk is that inflation does continue to remain very, very persistent in terms of the biggest risk to the stock market. If rates, in fact, are likely to go higher or certainly hold for longer at high levels. Um, you know, if that were to get reconciled, I think that could ultimately be a big negative for the stock market. But I think it's also important to think about the other side of this. Uh, and I would submit we really need to think there's a decent probability that the rate hikes might already have been too high. Uh, and that the rapidity of which these hikes were put in place and the lag effects that typically um, occur before those hikes have impact means a wall of tightening is yet to hit. And I think the odds of there being negative economic news um, that does surprise uh, is very real. Uh, and so that's another thing to certainly keep an eye out for. Um, but that could actually be a positive for stock market. And I think this is the challenge as we all face is what do you do with the portfolio given what we think about the current environment? Uh, you know, if the economic news were to be challenged, 
uh, that would mean that central banks would likely certainly not continue to hike and even potentially reverse. And that could ultimately prove very positive for stocks. I think the big risk is that when that economic news starts to hit, um, does it get into a negative spiral that's hard to stop? Uh, and I think that's the risk with an over-tightening and the lag effects that maybe have delayed the real impact of that. Uh, and so, you know, that might indicate it's, it could be a bumpy soft landing if we can, in fact, get a soft landing out of this. So different dimensions to watch, but I think all of that sort of adds up to a probably volatile first half uh, as more economic data rolls through. And it's, you know, in our view, likely that certainly central banks have, have changed their stance, if not in their, their forward guidance, potentially in their actually rate position, certainly by the end of this year. And that would be constructive uh, and supporting the idea that there could be positive returns this year. You know, maybe a Canada-U.S. difference is I think Canada is probably at bigger risk of having negative impacts from that wall of tightening. Uh, certainly you've seen, you know, what real estate has done in Canada is, is fairly unique globally in how the, the rapid increase of real estate pricing over the last five years, which means people are carrying pretty big mortgage debts. Um, you know, we tend to have more variability in our mortgage structure versus the U.S. So the U.S. did not see sort of price increases that we saw in Canada, and you get a lot of 30-year mortgages. Um, as you can write off your mortgage interest and, and those sorts of dimensions. So I think Canada's probably at bigger risk of some negative economic news. Uh, so that's certainly something to keep in mind. We think the central banks know that. This is not necessarily something we're unique in our positioning, and they've been, say, less hawkish earlier uh, than the U.S. So a couple of things um, to watch out there. And, look, and, and as you know, we see that the wage picture and the employment picture, it's an interesting one, because certainly you're hearing the, the headlines around layoffs a lot in the technology space. I would submit that's typical. Technology would usually hire most aggressively. They can't miss out, right? They have to be in the hot areas. That's kind of what they do. But they also tend to be the most aggressive in repositioning, right? When they get that opportunity and things slow down, they do want to restructure. They do want to make sure they're supporting their projects that are most important in shedding those that maybe you know, weren't as relevant as, as the cycle works through. But I think generally you're seeing the layoffs are occurring on the white collar side. And we don't want to see anybody lose their job. But one of the global concerns we've been looking at is income dichotomy. And I think see what you're seeing in some of the wage inflation is I think it is occurring in that sort of service-based economy. And maybe those that had not benefited from some of the economic growth that has occurred over the last few decades. And we'd submit that as a net positive. And it's not a, a socialist thing. It's just the reality that you really want an economy with a lot of people with some disposable income, as opposed to having a few people with all of the disposable income. Uh, if you can get that over a large uh, multiple of people, uh, certainly the opportunity for broader economic growth is certainly is far more robust if, if that's the overall structure. So a healthy middle class is a good thing. Uh, so maybe some, some wage inflation keeps some pressure on inflation, but net, we think it's, it's going to the right areas of the population, which is a bit of a shift and ultimately could lead to healthier outcomes. Anyway, so I don't know if that's a positive or, or negative outlook for the year. Um, I certainly think, yeah, we, we want to be realistic as we approach this year. Again, I think equality bias is the way to go. You know, if we're right and, and central banks uh, are reversing course, it's probably going to be bonds for good for bonds as well. But if the discount rate on the market um, does start to trick down, that's good for broader multiples. But again, to get through this volatility, I think you really want to make sure you're in that quality business that is, is throwing off real cash, has got the balance sheet to get through this, and can maybe even you know, hire some of those other people that are being laid off or buy 
assets or companies that can really expand the business. And, and those are the companies that are going to get stronger through this. Again, they, they won't miss out on the volatility, but they can come out the other side that's much stronger. So we'll continue to, to work our way through this. Again, uh, all the best uh, for the new year, and we'll connect with you in a month. This podcast is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or construed as an endorsement or recommendation of any entity or security discussed. Investors should seek the advice of professionals prior to implementing any changes to their investment. Certain statements in this podcast are forward-looking that are predictive in nature, depend upon, or refer to future events or conditions. Forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those set forth. Although the forward-looking statements contained herein are based upon what CI Global Asset Management and the Portfolio Manager believe to be reasonable assumptions, neither CI Global Asset Management nor the Portfolio Manager can assure that actual results will be consistent with these forward-looking statements. Certain statements contained in this podcast are based in whole or in part on information provided by third parties, and CI Global Asset Management has taken reasonable steps to ensure their accuracy. Market conditions may change, which may impact the information contained in this podcast. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compounded total returns, net of fees and expenses, payable by the fund, including changes in security value and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions, and do not take into account sales, redemption, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.